Shall we pray? Lord God, our miracle-working God, thank you for these words. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to believe. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wealth is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When the time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Thanks, Julian. I'll make sure you keep uh, your Bibles or your phone apps open to Luke 1 there and uh, follow along. I really appreciated the emphasis uh, on their age, Gillian. Uh, they must have been much older than you are, I think. Uh, let's pray. Holy Father, uh, please help us now as we look at your word uh, to understand it and receive it with joy. Amen. Well, I don't know if you need to uh, close your eyes to imagine this, but I want you to just picture in your mind uh, the state of your house as you left it this morning. You know, as you got ready, you made it to church, 
you know, did, did, were there any dishes left in the sink? Maybe some, some books scattered about if you've got kids. There's sure to be some Lego sitting around somewhere. Uh, clothes, socks, I don't know, dust, clutter. What, what state was your house in when you left this morning? And if you knew that straight after church this morning, you'd have a, a film crew on their way to come and film their way through your house for a show they're producing. Uh, or perhaps if you knew that uh, you had an adoption agency coming to do an inspection or, or maybe that your really fussy parents or in-laws were coming to drop in on your house, would your house be in order? Are there things that you'd want to quickly rush home and fix up or hide under the bed or wipe up before they got there? Uh, if not, I don't think we can be friends because uh, you're just too clean and tidy uh, for my liking. Uh, but uh, maybe your house is completely in order. I think most of us, though, would, would like some kind of advance warning uh, before someone like that came to ring the doorbell, right? Most of us would like to kind of just have the time to prepare and get things together. Well, our man Zechariah today, uh, he didn't get any warning, and he was certainly caught off guard and unprepared uh, on this day that we just read about. And poor old Zechariah was just doing his job. He's an Israelite priest. He would go into the temple uh, at certain times, and, and he'd gone in there to burn incense and to pray on behalf of the nation. And while he's in there, a completely unexpected visitor announces, uh, uh, turns up unannounced. Have a look at verse 8. Once, when his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, when the time came for the burning of incense, all of the assembled worshippers were praying outside the temple. And then inside the temple, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, how do you reckon you might uh, respond? Uh, you know, you've got to remember the temple, right? Who goes in the temple? Only priests. How often? Not very often. Who was going in? Just Zechariah. He's the only guy that draw, you know, the dice landed on or the short straw came and it was his turn. Not as a bad thing, it's a good thing. Yeah, walking into somewhere where you know you're the only person, no one else is there, and then suddenly someone standing in the corner is a pretty uh, unsettling kind of situation, especially when you realise that someone is a messenger from heaven. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Uh, clearly, it's not an ordinary day in the office for Zechariah. Actually, it's not an ordinary day for anyone to see an angel. In fact, it had been over 400 years that Israel hadn't heard anything from God. Complete silence. God had not no angels, no prophets, no nothing for 400 years. God's people Israel had turned away from God in rebellion and they'd found themselves spiritually in the dark, in the silence with nothing going on. But now on this day, finally, after 400 years of darkness and silence, the first flickers of light come into the darkness. 
telltale sign that something biblical was about to happen. Uh, if you've got your outlines there, you can follow along. We're on our first point, a telltale sign. Now, who, who here is interested in true crime? Does anyone, you know, listen to any true crime fiction or read, read any true crime books or anyone? No one wants to admit it. <laughs> I've got my hand up. Yeah, that's right. It's you, I know there's more of you. Uh, well, uh, one of the things that uh, in the true crime, you know, you kind of talk about, especially when you've got sort of serial offenders, uh, often talk about uh, a, some kind of MO, a mode of operan- modus operandi, or a, or a signature that some criminals leave behind. Uh, maybe it's got, you know, the certain way that they uh, pry a window open, or uh, maybe they leave behind, uh, take a little memento with them, or leave something behind, or they rearrange the cushions because they've got OCD and they can't handle it uh, while they're stealing all the jewellery. <laughs> well, actually, throughout the Bible we see that actually uh, God has a bit of a signature. He has a mode of operandi, modus operandi, a way of operating that he kind of has these telltale signs that are kind of like God's fingerprints all over history. And when you see them, you know actually here is a moment where something big is about to happen. This is God and he's doing something. And right here we see a number of those signs of just that. God is about to do something big. An angel appears out of nowhere. A priest receives the word of God in the temple. A childless couple is promised a son. A son is promised who will be dedicated to God from birth. A son who will never drink alcohol, not because there's anything wrong with it, but because he will be set apart for God in a special way. A child who will be a prophet and a messenger for God to his people. And a child whose name is picked out not by the parents, but by God before his birth. Now for anyone who's sort of familiar with the Old Testament and the first part of the Bible, some of these will be ringing like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. That's right. Some of the biggest moments in salvation history these have been some of the little telltale signs, the, the signatures, the fingerprints of God at work, signs that God was going to do something big. Well, here, the angel of the Lord appears to a righteous old priest who's been unable to have a child, and this is what he says, verse 13. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. I'm not going to hurt you. Your prayer has been heard. Now, it doesn't say here uh, what prayer he's talking about. Uh, could it be that uh, it was Zechariah's prayer for a child? Uh, no doubt, over the years, Zechariah had prayed many times, I would imagine, that God would enable his wife Elizabeth to bear him a child. But I, I think probably he hadn't prayed that this day. Now, if you have a look at verse 18, it's pretty clear Zechariah had given up on that idea or that hope of that prayer being answered. Perhaps it was uh, his prayers as a righteous man for Israel. Actually, this evening sacrifice at the time that he goes in to burn incense was the time when the priest made prayers for the nation of Israel. Surely he had just been calling out to God and asking God to bring his great promises, to come to his people, to deliver and rescue Israel and restore Jerusalem and and send his promised king and bring about his long-awaited 
eternal, perfect, wonderful kingdom. We don't know which prayer, but actually we see the angels tells us that actually both those prayers have been answered. Verse 13, second part. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you were to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. So to this, uh, this old man, well past his prime, with a postmenopausal wife, this angel says, God is going to give you a son. That prayer that you prayed and then gave up on, it's coming. And actually, you know that other prayer that you're praying? For God's promises to come, for his king to come, for God to come to his people and restore them? Well, that's going to come too. And your son's going to play a part in it. Just like 100-year-old Abraham and his wife Sarah, this will be a miracle. And not just for Zechariah and Elizabeth, but for many. And verse 15 tells us actually that he will be great in the sight of the Lord, different from other babies, other children and other men. As a sign of being set apart from God, he, he won't drink alcohol Actually, from even before he's born, he'll have God's spirit. Now, this is the same spirit that throughout all of Israel's history and throughout the beginning of the Bible came and rested on God's prophets and messengers of old. The same spirit who brought God's word. The same spirit who performed miracles, who raised the dead. But actually, notice, unlike the prophets of old... John was different. Where the Spirit came and left the prophets of the Old Testament, here we see that John would be filled with the Spirit from before he was even born, for the entirety of his life and ministry. It's like a prophet turned up to 11. And that's because he had a very particular, very special job. In some ways, a similar job uh, to every prophet. But in one key way, it's quite different. Have a look at verse 16. Like other prophets, he will bring back many of the peoples of Israel to the Lord their God. But unlike the other prophets, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, who was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, the last time uh, that an angel had appeared to someone in the Bible was over 500 years earlier. And uh, as it is, uh, it happened to be another person who shared the very same name as Zechariah. It was a prophet called Zechariah in Babylon. And, And the message that the angel had brought that day to that first Zechariah was to tell God's people to turn their hearts back to God. The same message that Zechariah's son was going to have. Well, then a hundred years after that first Zechariah, 
the very last time God spoke to his people in the Old Testament. God spoke through another prophet, Malachi. And God promised that he himself was going to come and visit his people. He would rescue Israel. He would restore them. He would destroy the wicked, establish Jerusalem. He'd purge away the wicked priests who offered polluted sacrifices. He'd enable even the Gentile nations to do the very thing that Zechariah was doing this very day in the temple. In the last pages of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, we're told that when God comes, when he renews and restores and purges and saves, even the nations would be able to do what only a priest can do and offer incense as an offering to God, not just in the temple but in every place. But also, in those last words through the prophet Malachi at the end of the Old Testament, God had promised that before he came, he would send a special messenger, a prophet, who would come like Elijah had come and turn the hearts of Israel back to God, who would come and turn Israel back to God and prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Well, it's been 400 years, and on this day, God comes to Zechariah after a long period of silence and darkness. The time is now. My messenger who's coming before I get here He's going to be your son. He's going to be my warm-up prophet. Now, have you ever uh, been to a footy game or a netball game or a soccer game? You know, who's ever been to a live sports match of like a professional, kind of professional sort of league? Now, you know they actually have uh, warm-up coaches. Uh, so before uh, they play... Uh, it's not actually the coach, usually, you know, in a professional league that's out there kind of getting all the players warmed up. Uh, it's usually a bunch of warm-up coaches. Uh, so they, you know, men and women, they're the ones sort of passing around balls or whatever it is they're doing uh, to warm up the players. And uh, the coach watches from the side until the players are ready. And it's not until the players are all ready that the warm-up coaches kind of step to the sides and the coach comes in. Now, you know what it's like in the morning, uh, you, you know, you're sleeping in, you've got really good block-out blinds, so it's really dark, and uh, someone comes in and they just suddenly rip open your blinds and the light pours in. It's just too much, isn't it? You can't handle it. You, know, you need that kind of gentle, the light slowly creeping in and slowly eyes adjusting to the light of the day. See, both of those illustrations help us understand why. God sent this messenger. See, why would God need to send a messenger to Israel? They've had hundreds, thousands of years of warning. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Why do they need someone to come before God comes? Well, it's a bit like having the light pour in when you're not ready for it. We needed some, they needed some preparation. They weren't prepared their hearts weren't turned towards God. Just like in Elijah's day when they worshipped Baal, they weren't trusting God 
and needed a warm-up prophet to prepare them. So getting ready for God's coming, we learn here what that's going to be like. It's not a political thing. It's not about tidying their homes. The angel tells us here it's about their hearts. Having hearts that are right, softened, turned towards God. Hearts that have become obedient, not disobedient. Hearts that turn from the foolishness of false gods and rejecting God to the wisdom of accepting him. And it's a big deal, actually, because God had warned that the day that he comes would be a dreadful day for anyone who wasn't ready. A day of judgment. See, those Israelites whose hearts were not turned to him would find themselves destroyed just like the Israelites in the past who had turned away from God. See, Israel needed preparing. But our hearts need preparing too, don't they? After John, God did come. Jesus, the Son of God, one with the Father, came into the world. He came to his people, into his temple, just as God had promised. He exposed the hypocrisy of those whose hearts were far from God. He brought purification for people by his sacrifice. He defeated the enemy of death by his resurrection. But then he left again. He didn't get rid of death for good. He didn't bring in the fullness of his kingdom. He didn't destroy all enemies and purge all wickedness. The Lord came to his people and the day of the Lord came in mercy. But the day of the Lord hadn't yet come in judgment. The first part had come, but the second part was still waiting for. Now, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, recognised this. See, in verse 25, she, she sees that in her day, God was showing favour. In that first coming of the Lord was favour, mercy, grace, kindness, not just to her, but to Israel and to all nations. And yet the day is still coming when he will come again, this time in judgment for all who've turned up their noses at him and rejected him. And so if Israel needed preparing for the coming of the Lord in mercy, how much more do we as Australians and all the people of the world need preparing for his coming again in judgment? We need to be prepared for his return by having hearts turned to him. And actually, I don't know if you noticed, but in this, uh, these events here, we actually get a little glimpse of what happens to those who aren't. Uh, point three, an unbeliever's silence. Have a look at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure that I'm really going to have a son? Look at me, I'm an old man, my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I'm the same angel that talked to Daniel back in Babylon. I stand every day in the presence of God. I've been sent by him to you to tell you this good news. So now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day that it happens. 
because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Well, as the people outside are waiting and waiting and waiting, when Zechariah finally comes out and he, he can't speak, he's rendered completely mute. It's a little glimpse of what will come for those who aren't prepared and don't receive the word of the messenger. That's kind of funny, actually, when you think about, uh, about it here, uh, that Gabriel, the angel, is kind of a pre-preparer for the preparer, for the unprepared. And he's come to someone who's unprepared. Uh, it's, it's, um, I don't know, is he like a preparer, pre-preparer, or a pre-preparer, preparer? I, I don't know quite know. Gabriel comes to Zechariah, who's completely unprepared, to prepare him for the coming of John, whose job is to prepare people for the Lord. But even Zechariah, this righteous one, this righteous priest, obedient follower of God, whose heart is turned to God and is looking forward to the coming of the Lord, even he doesn't believe the word of God's preparer messenger. Even when this preparer, preparer is an angel from God, he still doesn't believe his word. And so he was silenced, left speechless. A flicker of what will come for those who refuse to believe the message that the preparer John will bring. See, John's message is to believe Jesus' word, to turn our hearts to Jesus, the Lord who's come in mercy, to be saved. And all who reject that message will be silenced forever. On the day that Jesus comes back in judgment, they'll be forced to bow in submission and be unable to speak a word against him for all eternity. But notice, actually, it's the opposite for those who do receive the word. Have a look at verse 14. See, those who rejoice at the coming of John, this messenger, who recognise that these are God's fingerprints and this is God that is doing this and that this means that God is coming and this is good news. Those who receive this word, they don't have their tongues stopped. They have their tongues loosened in praise in joy and in gladness. The exact opposite of those who reject the word, who don't believe and have their tongues stopped in silence and shame. And the question at the start of, this, of Luke's gospel here and at the time of these events for Israel is, will Israel turn? Will they listen to the messenger that God has sent? Will they turn their hearts and prepare themselves for the coming of the Lord and receive the Lord when he comes? Or will Israel make the same mistakes that they have over and over and over again? And will they pay the price of being silenced in shame? That question is the same question for every Australian today. Will we learn that lesson? Will we look back to Jesus and see that he came first in mercy. We obey 
his message and prepare ourselves for his return in judgment? There's a question for every Australian, every Israelite, every person on the face of this planet. See, John came because of God's mercy to prepare people for the first coming of Jesus. And today the need to be prepared for his return is even more urgent. He's come in mercy. He's coming soon in judgment. The message for every person everywhere is turn your hearts to the Lord. Have your tongues loosed in praise and joy or you'll be silenced at the shame when he returns. Well, after many years of silence, God showed his favour to Israel by sending a messenger who would turn hearts back to God in preparation for his coming. Those who don't listen to his messenger will be rendered speechless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and that you sent John, your messenger, to prepare your people for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came in mercy, that he came to to win salvation, to deal with our sin and our guilt, so that when we turn to him, we can truly be forgiven. So that when we, who aren't Israelites, from the nations, turn to him, we too can be brought in. And Lord, we pray that you'll fill us with the joy of having received that mercy. We pray for our neighbours. We pray for the people of Israel. We pray for people of all nations. They would hear John's message, that they would turn and accept Jesus as Lord and King. Amen.